It's the success line. This is the place where achievers come to get advice on how to solve business problems and unlock their true potential. Every week, a new listener of the show sits down with success coaching director Ben Fairfield to talk through a roadblock and learn a lesson. Now here he is, Ben Fairfield. Hey everyone, welcome to the Success Line. I am excited for our guest today. Mr. Austin Bellino is in the house. He's on the Success Line with us. Uh, Austin, good to have you here. Thanks for being here. Well, it's nice seeing you here, Ben, and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, absolutely, Austin. So, uh, so tell the world and the audience here, who is Austin and what brings you to the show today? Well, that's a good question. Who is Austin? Well, <laughs> I graduated from the university with an education background. And right before I was going to get that eight to five teaching job, I decided to go overseas. I lived in China for about five years where I met my wife um, and did some international work through that environment. Uh, Now that I'm back here in the U.S., I work with international students, helping them get used to the culture here. And this is kind of where the question that I have for you comes from is due to that background of my working with international and global students. Awesome. Awesome. So what kind of work specifically do you do with the international students? Uh, so my my main role here is the current job that I have is that I'm helping them get into college, helping them come to high school. Uh, but what I'm trying to do as the on the side with that entrepreneurial side is that I'm trying to connect different high school students together from around the world, kind of like a pen pal 2.0, where um, I'm bringing multiple students in one environment together rather than just having that one on one. Uh, we're getting everyone in the group together, and then they're kind of having a conversation and identifying the positives, the negatives, um, the similarities, differences, depending on wherever the conversation goes with the kids. Okay, awesome. So, you, so you're wanting to figure out just to make sure I'm following so far this pen pal 2.0 that you're you're calling. I know that's you're using it as a descriptor. So you're you're wanting to create a, a way for them to connect as a group, as a bigger group, co- cross culturally. Is that correct? Exactly. When I came back to the U.S. and I'm working with some of the American high school students, I realized that some of them are within their community bubble. If they play a sport, they stay within that bubble. If they're in part of an activity or some type of aspect, it's within that bubble. So trying to burst the bubble in a positive way so they can kind of get exposed to different uh, environments and different cultures. Awesome. Okay. So so tell me, Austin, what uh, what drew you into this line of work? Uh, basically where I met my wife. So I met my wife in China and she's Chinese and I'm American. Uh, we have an 18 month old daughter who is, we speak to her in English and Chinese. Um, I drink cold ice water. My wife drinks hot water in the summer. Um, so there's these differences that are just being kind of infused. And my daughter will already be involved in that and kind of understand the cultural piece, but other students I feel lack that. So I kind of want to help them and even amplify their voice. Some of these high school students are very impressive and they have a lot to say and want to accomplish a lot. So just kind of helping them accomplish their goals as well. Awesome. Okay. So, so what about that really strikes a chord with you? What about that's important to you? No, it's important just because of how, what the direction of the world is going. We have more and more connectiveness and we're realizing that we need to work together as different countries. Um, it's not just about us, 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 or me, me, me. It's more of that we, uh, us culture now, I believe. That's awesome. Okay, so um, so your goal for the high schools, uh, the high school students, rather, to, to be able to connect, come together in community of sorts, uh, what's the main objective? I know that there's a lot of them, but what do you see being the main objective there? 
Well, the main objective is just to kind of get rid of some of those assumptions, the stereotypes that they see from the media. Uh, social media and media in general has a, a role where they can put out the information that's either maybe potentially for money gain or what is maybe popular at the time. So just kind of letting these students come together in a non-educational setting and there's authentic uh, information being shared, uh, traditions, and hopefully it'll kind of break down some of those assumptions that some students and even adults have as well. Awesome. Okay. So, so let's, let's put in mind our ideal audience for this, just to help me understand more. Uh, we're, we're thinking of that ideal high school student that, that you're targeting. Uh, what's the, what's the desire in them that's going to make them want to be a part of this, this movement or this community or whatever it is, you know, you want to call it, but what is inside of them that's drawing them to this? Uh, well, most of the students overseas I'm working with are getting ready to come to the U.S. for undergraduate studies or master's program. So the draw for them, of course, is to kind of get that exposure before they come here. Um, there's always that orientation onboarding process, but sometimes it's one day, one hour, um, it's just not enough. So kind of giving that exposure earlier so they can do some research before they come um, is kind of the, the audience that I'm kind of focusing on. Okay. All right. So definitely it's clear to me then the the motivation on behalf of the the foreign students who are coming here, right? Because they want to assimilate a little bit and understand culture better, it sounds like, which makes sense. Um, what would be the the draw specifically to the the U.S. based students that would be a part of that that are sound like they're an important part of that equation too. Uh, so the, yeah, the American side, of course, is kind of getting an idea of the cultural piece. Um, and nowadays with businesses, it seems that to make more money and to be more successful, you got to kind of tap into different markets. Um, and that doesn't doesn't only focus on age or gender; it also focuses on where they're currently living. Um, so having that kind of global mindset will help with their businesses in the future. Um, and just help them collaborate as well. When they go to college, um, they might be leaving those bubbles that they're used to um, and be placed in situations where there's classrooms or group work, where hopefully they'll be able to interact with those differences uh, much smoother. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And I appreciate you answering. I, you didn't know I was going to throw all these questions at you, <laughs> but I, it I helps me understand. Yeah. <laughs> it helps me understand. I want to make sure that we're, we're maximizing our time together. So, uh, so I feel like I have a, a grasp on, on what it is you're wanting to to create and the why behind it. So um, that would help me to know, are you looking at this as a for-profit or a non-profit or do you know? Uh, probably the goal, of course, would be at some point the for-profit uh, with maybe advertising or um, some type of with these students interested in coming to the U.S. Maybe they don't know where to go. Um, so kind of giving them that guidance. But the actual events that I'm hosting are going to be free for them to just have that experience. So the, the students get some type of benefit. Um, and then later on, hopefully it can develop into a, a company for profit. Okay. And you said events. Tell me about those really quick, if you would. What are you, what are you visioning there? And are they in person or digital? Uh, they're digital. So as of right now, they're digital. And the next one is actually tomorrow. Um, so the first one will be tomorrow where we have 300 students coming together on Zoom. Uh, 25 countries are represented. And the goal is going to just to kind of get them involved. It's a very neutral environment. We're just going to talk about culture, differences, uh, highlighting on the school, education, oh, how much homework do you have? What time does your school day start? Uh, just trying to develop. I kind of created foundational questions for all of them. And then hopefully it'll just blossom into whatever the students will be talking about. I, when you bring something passionate uh, to the table, the kids, I think, will just kind of 
pull from it how they want and they'll guide the direction of the conversation pretty easily. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we know what we're doing. We have a good idea as to why we're doing it. Uh, so, so help me understand what's most important we talk about today with that context set now. So the, the main question that I have for you is everyone that teaches me, they mention that word network, you know, go to these network events, uh, find these people, add them on LinkedIn, talk to them, get their phone number, their email address. But no one ever kind of shares with what do you do with it next? What do you do with that information? How do you utilize your network to kind of grow? Most of my interaction with these students is I'm asking other people to help me find these students that might be interested. So I just don't know how to really necessarily use my network um, to kind of continue to grow this idea I have. Okay. So of the 300 that you have coming tomorrow... um... Where, where would those have come from? If you had to just ballpark it, just where, where are the biggest sources or it, it funnels in? So I'm basically just contacting the, some of the U.S. embassies in the different countries. And basically, I've sent out probably 100 emails and only received maybe about 10 responses and kind of built off of those 10. Um, and when I try to connect with other networks and try to work it out, it just kind of falls flat. Um, a lot of them, maybe it was my messaging or the idea um, even when I tell my wife about it, she has questions and doesn't necessarily understand the whole picture of it. So I'm just trying to figure out ways to kind of help my network understand what I'm trying to accomplish and show the value and maybe bring them on board at some capacity. Sure. Okay. Well, and this is so so you're you're segueing beautifully and you probably didn't know it, but you're doing a great job um, oh. that <laughs> that this this messaging component. So if we're sending out, communication and we're not getting the response rate that we we desire the first place i always suggest that clients go is is to look at the messaging right um and then you just said it right there you said and i explained this to my wife who who based on her uh, cultural heritage um, has a different perspective on this right and she has questions and so again i this is not a bad thing but this is a great place to start uh that if, if she has questions and doesn't quite get it then i'm assuming others that are receiving the message may have questions so so let's talk a little bit about the messaging itself and, and what you're sending if you don't mind yeah, so basically i'm just kind of giving them a, a summary of what the goal is kind of similar to what I, we mentioned before about bringing high school students together uh, sharing culture, um, but I am mass producing it. So I'm basically just copy and pasting and changing the email address. So would that be an issue? Uh, no, I don't think so. So if the intended audience is is correct and it re- the message resonates with them, it doesn't matter if it says, hey, Tim, hey, Sue, hey, Bob, whatever. I, I don't think that part matters as much. Um, but what I, I would, and we just went through this with a big client. We went through all their sales copy. They weren't getting the results they wanted. And, and um what we found is it was instead of saying something in two sentences, they were taking 14 paragraphs to say it. And I've not seen your copy. Uh, but my question would be is, how do you tell me what you do in two sentences or less? Oh, wow. Yeah, I said my email was eight paragraphs. So I was following that company's kind of style where maybe it was just too much content. And I think there are, so I'm going to suggest a book to you. I'm not affiliated with them or, or what it is or anything. So I don't get anything from telling you this, but it's helped me and it's helped other clients. Uh, it's called the ultimate sales letter. Uh, Dan Kennedy wrote it and he really, he gives some good rubric here as, as far as your, your target market, because we have to start with understanding of who our market is to understand what messaging is most effective. Um, and so there's, there's a, a couple of, I guess, 
places I would start here with you if you're game. And so there's 10 reasons, um, not from that book, but there are 10 general reasons people buy something or buy an offering. Now, in this case, I know that at this point in time, they're not buying something. However, it is a form of buying, like they're buying into the movement or buying into the cause. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. That that movement piece. Yeah. So here are the 10 reasons. And this comes from um, Jim Edwards' book, Copywriting Secrets. Uh, There's 10 reasons people uh, decide to buy something. First is to make money. Second is to save time. Third is to save money. Four is to avoid effort. Five is to escape mental or physical pain. Six is to get more comfort. Seven is to achieve greater cleanliness or hygiene. Eight is to gain praise. Nine is to feel more loved. And 10 is to increase their popularity or social status. So my impression would be, and you tell me what you think, but the one that jumped off the page at me here was the avoid or escape mental or physical pain. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, because I'm trying to connect the people. So that's a, that's a main goal. So, so here's what we know. And again, Copywriting Secrets, great book to check out as well. Uh, what we know, though, is that our messaging, in order to hit our target market, our messaging has to be succinct. And we get about three to five seconds up front to either get them on board or they go right by. Oh, wow. That, that little amount of time, that's it? Very small. Very, very wow. small. I mean, you think of our attention span. You know, it's out of all the social media channels, TikTok is the fastest growing and the content has to be less than 60 seconds. I see. Okay. So kind so, of following the trends. Yes, our, our attention span as a society and as a world is shrinking. We want fast, bite-sized little pieces. And so it doesn't mean that you can't use long-form copy, but if we're not getting them hooked on the, in the first sentence to three sentences, they're probably not going to be reading further down the page. And, and if you use a service to send, if, when you scale, you'll be able to track the analytics there and see. But that's where I would suggest we start, if you're game there, is to unpack and dissect this a little bit to, uh, to really uncover if pain is truly what it is that, that we're wanting to help people avoid. And in my mind, and you tell me what your thoughts are, I'm thinking based on what you told me, the pain could be making the... Uh, the integration into the U.S.-based educational system when they come o- come from overseas, come here to make that more seamless or smooth or more comfortable. Yeah. Um, that's a form of avoiding pain. What are your thoughts, sir? I never thought about it in that way where usually I hear that word pain and I don't want it to be mixed in with the sales marketing aspect of it. But it, it totally makes sense because that whole transition piece for them coming in, it's going to help them and it will hopefully not cause them pain. It'll do the exact opposite. I mean, even the same thing with the American students, they're going to have to kind of maybe avoid situations when they're in college or in the workforce, and uh, it could cause pain. And I I never thought of it that way. Well, and I think there's, to your point, it it works both ways. It's, I mean, I I think about myself, if I was going to be, if I was a high school student again, which that was a while ago, but if I was a high school student again, and I was going to be sent overseas to attend school, I'd I'd have a lot of angst. I'd be nervous because all I know is my little bubble, right? And to your point from the very beginning of this, people who play sports stick in that bubble and people who do this thing stick in this bubble. And it's really interest groups, right? And they're very small circles, relatively speaking, you're talking about providing a platform that allows people to to get into a big circle, to to shed their small little bubble filter and, and see things from a global perspective, but do it in a way that's not scary. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So I want to I want to dive in here if you're if you're cool with that, because I think if we have agreement there, this is the only place I would go first is, is really coming up with how do we refine the messaging 
so that you can get across to somebody, your wife or anyone you've never met or anyone in between, what it is the objective of, of this entire movement is in two sentences or less. Okay. Yeah, I can, I'll, I'll do my best to support on my end. <laughs> I, I will need your guidance. <laughs> but does this not sound like a, a logical place to go? Oh, yes, definitely. Because I feel like the messaging is the key piece because I can't physically go to these different countries and and, and even my name itself, I don't have a big following on uh, some of the major social media platforms. So having that messaging, I think, is key for this growth. Well, and it's going to, I would argue like all day long and twice on Sunday that it, when you get clarity on your messaging, uh, it's probably going to land with fewer people, but it's going to land more deeply. It's going to be grabbed uh, more intently by those people. And and that's where movements spread, right? And that's where they start. It's not because it's the masses and the shotgun approach. It's hitting the right audience with the right message at the right time that then they get excited about what you're doing and they go tell other people like them because birds of a feather flock together. Like if one is, is having this thought process or this pain or, or wants these things, they probably know other people that are similar. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Word of mouth is key and it's, it's important for this uh, kind of movement, like you mentioned. Absolutely. So, so here there's 10 questions that in the, the ultimate sales letter, that book I was telling you about, um, that Dan Kennedy wrote, there's, there's 10 questions uh, and I'm going to ask you them real time, and we can think on them and chew on them, but I think that it'll, it's going to be advantageous for the listeners to hear as well, because they can apply this to their business. I mean, the beautiful thing about what we're talking about here is this is a truth that transcends industry, it transcends for or nonprofit, it transcends everything, because messaging matters, especially in a, in a world that we live in where it's messaging overload, and we're all getting bombarded with messages from everywhere. We don't know truth from fiction, we can't tell what's true and what isn't. Uh, being able to deliver a succinct message on point, on target to resonate with the right people is mission critical for any movement or organization or business. Yeah, I agree. And I think it will also save me lots of time as well as I'm trying to fine tune this and not typing out long paragraphs and editing that. This is a smarter <laughs> approach to, and, and more productive. Well, we'll see if you still feel that way in a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. So here's the first question I, I want to ask you, and, and we're going we're gonna to go through these um, in order so that everyone can get benefit of this as well. Uh, so we're talking about your, your target audience. Okay. The, the intended audience, whether it be uh, people from overseas who are going to be coming here into the system or stateside students who are wanting a more global perspective, as you talked about it, and to, to really understand uh, because the, the global economy is real. It's happening. It's moving that direction more and more. And so there is tons of value for high school students to get a, a bigger, a broader perspective of the world as well. So um, with our end user in mind, here's the first question. What keeps them awake at night. So let's start with the, the students overseas who you've been working with who are going to be coming to the U.S. to attend school. Uh, what, what is their worry or keeps them awake at night? Uh, well, of course, probably if they're, they're going to be coming to the U.S., so that language piece is going to be uh, a major factor. Their confidence in their current ability might have them kind of keeping up at night. And also the fact that some of these, I mean, they're high school students, so they probably have been taken care of by their parents. They're maybe cooked for, the laundry's done. So maybe having that independent uh, component as well will be a major thing that keeps them up at night. Okay. Um, now, a, a build-on question of that one, and question number two of these 10 is, what are they afraid of? Probably their, the biggest fear is they're afraid of failing. Um, they, the window of course is to, when they come here, they want to graduate, they want to learn as much as they can, but, um, failure is possible if they don't have the, the tools or the ability to stay here. 
uh, on their own. Okay. Uh, number three, uh, what are they angry about or who are they angry at? Who are they angry at and what are they angry about? Maybe, I, I guess I would say like the resources available to them. Um, there's lots of content online, but it's, it's sometimes will all be the same content. Maybe it's just constantly in the form of uh, books or articles that they have to read and they just don't have that time. Um, that would definitely be something maybe they're angry about, just those resources within the realm or industry. Okay, I'm putting a star by that one. We'll circle back to it. Because okay. um, I think there's some gold there. Number four, uh, what are their top three daily frustrations? Wow. Um, top three dailies. Uh, may potentially going to have to deal with maybe... Uh, the amount of time in the day, they have a lot of preparation going on. Um, they need to kind of focus on that, all the visas component, the government side of things, the family side of things, the education side of things. So um, I think that would make it kind of a frustration. There's just not enough time in the day. Um, finances could be another issue. Maybe they're frustrated with, maybe they want to attend somewhere or they want their, in their mind, they want to accomplish something or go somewhere, but maybe finances maybe hold them back a little bit. Um, Two. I don't. The third one this is a tough question. You really having me dig deep here. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess another frustration might be is that sometimes they feel that they have to do it all alone. Um, they're they're taking this trip abroad. They're they're going on their own to a new environment, new area. So that would kind of be frustration, just of that mindset of what they have to do on their own. Excellent. Excellent. You're already at number five. You're doing great. All okay. right. Here's the fifth one. <laughs> what trends are occurring and will occur in their lives or business? Uh, the main trend, and like we talked about a little bit before, is that the world is becoming more and more globalized and interconnected, especially with all the new technology kind of coming out of after the pandemic. Um, there is an opportunity for them to kind of connect with people uh, much easier um, in lots of different ways, um, even from their own home. Um, could be another option there. Um, and also trends I could see is that students are required in the workforce to kind of be able to interact, uh, whether it be trying to sell something, trying to present a, a new project that they have. Um, they're just having to kind of have that speaking and, and maybe their audience could be people that they're not used to speaking with. Okay. I'm taking taking notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is good. Really good stuff. Now, and, and if you're like most people, um, Austin, most people never take the time to go through this process to really understand, put ourselves in the shoe of the person we're looking or shoes in the person we're looking for, or looking to help or looking to reach. Uh, and good stuff comes of it. So I, I know it, I'm putting you on the spot and it's kind of intentional, but you're, you're doing great. Here's the sixth one. Sixth one is what do they secretly, ardently desire most? Uh, they desire, I believe, that they, they want the secrets. They want the, the hidden how to succeed, how to grow quickly and do it effectively. It's, some of these, they see students already succeeding. And they see student or even uh, professionals in the workforce. They have startup companies. They're billionaires. And they want to know what, what did they do? What were their habits, their routines, their secrets, I would say. Love that. I'm going to put a star next to that one, too. All right, number seven. <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, is there a built-in bias to the way they make decisions? Uh, there could be potentially where there are cultural pieces uh, involved where it depends on, I guess, um, potentially they might have to take care of their family. So if 
finding a career that gives them enough money to support um, location. Of course, if there's some biases involved in what they know about a certain country um, and, and social media could kind of put some bias because they're kind of highlighting maybe some of the celebrities or some of the, the main cities that could kind of give them some type of biases as well. Okay. Excellent. Uh, here's number eight. Do they have their own language? And I'm not referring to their actual dialect. What, what Dan's referring to and what I'm asking you is, do, do they as a group of, of shared interest people, not cultural, but okay. shared interest people, do they have a language that they speak? For instance, uh, jargon that, that they understand that other people wouldn't. Oh, yes, I can see that uh, the, the jargon component just because of maybe like the broad terminology, uh, the adjustment, the having to be independent. There is some type of jargon that would kind of relate to them um, and specifically. And even there could be some ter- type of uh, leaders in the field that could be considered with by using their name. They could kind of become a form of jargon as well. Kind of trying to look at that person. They might to someone else. They may not know who that is. Absolutely. Okay, good. I put a star next to that one too. We'll come back to that. Number nine, who else is offering a similar product to what you're wanting to offer? From what I've done some research, there are a few kind of organizations where you kind of do like a pay monthly package and you kind of go into this platform where you can um, connect with other classrooms per se. And so this is like a group with basically two groups doing it together. Um, There are other kind of maybe social media components where there's some groups maybe that are having people come in with to a common interest. Um, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank of who that would be specifically, but I would assume that there are some type of social media platforms that are bringing people together for language purposes. Uh, maybe not per se so much on the cultural side. Okay. Um, so you don't, you don't have to name them here, but do you know who those, those, groups or organizations are that are offering similar things or parts of what you're wanting to offer? Yes. Yeah, so I've kind of downloaded their apps to kind of explore them to kind of see if there is any differences compared to what my idea and what my vision is compared to what they already have. So what do they do really well as, by and large as a whole? Uh, it's basically with bringing people together to learn a language uh, is the core piece. So that if I want to learn another language, I can go into that platform and talk to someone in from that country that speaks that language. Um, so they're really driving in and cultural cultural pieces will come out of that. They'll talk about, you know, what's different. Um, but it's not, my focus is kind of bringing in 10, 20, 300 kids together in hopes that they're going to be able to share their ideas in those platforms. It's more of like a one-on-one basis. Got it. Okay. And where do they fall short in your, your opinion? Um, I believe that it's just that, inclusiveness i think some of the languages that are mainly people are drawn to uh, spanish english uh, chinese german any other language outside of some of those big four there's not enough uh, representation there's not enough people involved there um so there's a lot of countries that aren't representative and that just kind of can disappear from the social media world okay all right here's number 10 uh who else has tried doing something similar and how has their effort succeeded or failed? Um, I, I don't. I don't necessarily know if anyone's really done what I've done yet uh, in regards to my goal. Um, even the people that I talk to, uh, with even being universities in Illinois or uh, U.S. embassies, and 
they, they say that they, it's kind of a refreshing idea. So I don't think they've actually, um, it's been approached. I don't think it's been actually created per se. Um, and if it has, then hopefully it's failed because I haven't heard about it. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and hopefully my idea can kind of rise up from that. I love it. Okay. So I want to go back, uh, if you're good, to I, I starred three of these questions. And, and again, just for time's sake, we can't go through all of them. But there were three that, yeah. that jumped out to me that I think uh, would be worth exploring and can help us move the ball down the field for you. Um, so the first one that stood out to me was question number three, which was, uh, what are they angry about or who are they angry at? And you and I'm just telling you what I wrote down in my shorthand. Um, but I wrote down the lack of available resources or the, the lack of quality available resources. Is that a fair summation of what you were thinking there? Yeah, it's sometimes like an information overlord, overload for all these kids and students. So I think that's definitely key. Okay. So, so strategically, I think this is one of your biggest opportunities out of everything we've talked about so far. Oh, okay. For this reason, uh, we know that, that they are absolutely, you're, you've mentioned it multiple times and it couldn't be more true. The world is getting smaller, more interconnected, technology and resources are more available than they ever have been. So, so these students, wherever they are in the world, uh, are beginning their search likely months before anyone else is aware of it. They're beginning their, their search process and collecting data and getting questions answered months before most of the, the world would be aware that this is happening. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah, definitely. So, so one of the, the biggest ways, and again, this isn't necessarily using your network per se, but I think it goes hand in hand. One of the biggest opportunities I see for you, especially when you just said there's not a ton of competition here yet, is yeah. for you to create a lot of short form under 90 second clips around relevant topics that they would be searching for. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do longer videos, but my point is, and you, I would say record one video, for, make it 15, 20 minutes, whatever you want it to be, but then edit out little snippets that are relevant talking points to what search terms they could be using or looking for. And all of a sudden now when they're searching, what are they going to come back to? They're going to come back to Austin three out of five times or, uh -huh. or two out of five times. Well, now all of a sudden you begin to be the authority in this field. And oh, by the way, Austin's associated with this movement that I can be a part of. And at least at this point, it's no cost to me. Like Austin's a great resource. I'm building trust and validity with Austin. Of course, I'm going to go check out his movement, his community, because he steered me right so far. Does that make sense? Uh, that's good. That's a good point. Yeah. And I like how it's like kind of that those 90 seconds. It's just enough to really get some content that's important to them, but still not taking up too much of their time. Absolutely. And I, I think that does a couple of things for you. So, so Austin, one thing that we coach all of our clients to do is, is to maximize our strategic advantage in everything we do. And so uh, in this case, I mean, I'm looking over at my wall right now. When we record a video, we're sending that video to YouTube. We're taking snippets and putting it on Instagram stories and TikTok. We're having it transcribed because then we're going to put it on a blog on the back end of your site. Mind you, this is all the same content. You recording one video. It's going YouTube, Instagram stories, TikTok, transcribing a blog. You're going to use the audio in a podcast because podcast listenership, especially worldwide, is massive. Uh, and you can also then use the video for video ads on all the social platforms as well when you choose to scale. Point being, though, with one, with you sitting down doing one video, you've now created content in multiple forms and for use in multiple platforms and it didn't take you any extra time. I see. I didn't have thought about that. I thought of, you know, more content, more content, more content is key with uh, that kind of keeping up with it on a regular basis. But this makes more sense kind of, and because there's so many different groups of audiences out there that 
maybe some focus on the podcast, some like the blogs, it's, I think it's good to have that information accessible to all. Absolutely. And the the opportunity you have here is when you put yourselves in the shoes of your intended audience and you can see clearly where their frustration may be coming from due to either lack of resources or, or lack of different resources, now it's shining a spotlight on where you should spend your time creating content and that's in the gap that's not being served right now. I like it. Yeah, it's so, so helpful. Put so in the right direction. That's the first one. We got okay. two more. Yeah. Two more. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> so the next one I, I put a star next to was question number six, and that was, what do they secretly, ardently desire most? And you said they want to want the how to succeed or the secrets of success and that sort of a thing. Um, again, I really should be getting a royalty. I'm not. But I'm going to tell you, read the ultimate sales letter because he has multiple chapters that talk about the power of a headline. Ah, Okay. And what, it, what, you're, what you're describing right there is they're wanting the secrets. They're wanting the seven. Like think about when you go through a supermarket and you look at the magazines in the checkout line. Yes. It's the seven ways to do this or the six secrets that no one told you. Or It's always a, an under 10 number and secrets or shortcuts or little sizzle headlines that make people grab the magazine, pick it up and read it. It's a good point. Yes. And it kind of draws your attention in. So you're kind of wanting more. This is one of the ways you can take your messaging uh, and help it land at a higher rate with your emails and everything else, because now all of a sudden your headline in your email is your subject line. Ah, I see. That makes sense. Now we get our open rate to be much higher. And now as long as we do our job and have the first couple sentences be the really the hook or getting the point across as to what comes next in the email, then our open rate and our then our read through rate, our click through rate will be even higher. Wow. Okay. That's good. I'm just thinking about what I was sending out. It's just a a very generic uh, headline uh, subject line. So when it maybe pops up, they're not really interested to click in or if they are, they only have two seconds or five seconds, like you mentioned. Well, and you, we got to think about through the lens of of the average user. Now, I I probably get a little bit more email than most people just due to the nature of what I do for a living, which is is fine. Uh, But we looked at my inbox and in the last 30 days, I averaged 217 new email messages a day. Wow. To the point where I have a third-party software that scrubs my email box and sends everything it thinks is not, it's artificial intelligence, sends everything it thinks is not important and puts it in a subfolder for me. Wow, okay. So So if I, as an email marketer, am not doing a good job to stand out right out of the gates, if my subject line is not spot on, if it's not hooking me right away, as as a user, I'm just blowing right past it and it doesn't seem relevant to me if it doesn't jump off the page in three to five seconds. And if you're using that software, probably other people as well that I'm trying to connect with. So I'm, I'm working with the human touch and also that technology touch. I have to kind of accomplish both. Absolutely. And all of this circles back to that messaging component we're talking about, because when you when you create the content around the, the gap in resources available, that will lead you to figuring out the sizzle headlines of the secrets or the how to's and that kind of a stuff that we talked about. All of that is absolutely beneficial in getting a higher open rate and a click-through rate because you're giving people something of interest. Now, when you do this, I want to give set the stage and, and set expectations correctly. We're not looking for everyone. We're looking for the ones that need what you have to offer. And so by being more specific on your messaging, it may force people or make people skim over it faster. And I, I just want you to understand that's okay because the chances of them actually doing anything with what you're offering is anyway, we're very low to begin with. Yes, I agree with you. So we're just helping you sift through that faster, but you're going to connect at a deeper level with the people who are looking for what you're offering. 
It's good. It's bad, yeah, it's only two. I got one more coming. I'm, <laughs> all right. So number eight was the other the other one, the third one that stood out, and then there's a bonus one that I wrote down too. But number eight, uh, do they have their own language? And we weren't talking again because, of course, they're all going to speak different dialects and languages. But we're talking about inside jargon, things and uh, acronyms, uh, phrases, things about process that only people going through this type of of move or process are going to understand or really get. Uh, and you said that yes, they're could be some. Again, this is going to be key. And the reason I start this is using the jargon in your messaging is going to be really important because all of a sudden it, get, it speaks to your credibility, your authority. I see. Of course, my knowledge. Yeah. So that makes sense. Oh, I, okay. Never thought about that. And that's what they're searching for as well, potentially when they're looking for stuff. 100%. Like that's where all of these tie together because now when you're, what I would suggest, and, and I, I do this personally, and I suggest all my uh, clients who do co- a copy creation sit down and literally map out your your content creation for a quarter at a time. Uh, you don't have to do right. a full year at a time, but like I, if I were you, I would challenge you. You've got the month of December. I would map out Q1 campaigns, Q1 right. content, because then I'm going to look at, okay, based on time of year, based on where I'm at in the progression of this movement, based on what, what the world is doing right now, like what would be most relevant content in Q1 for me to shoot? And then you put it on paper and you start seeing how it all connects. Well, now all of a sudden one can build on the other. Now your, your headlines become more apparent. Uh, and now, again, like we talked about, now I can purposely work in the jargon that they're going to be searching for that A, pops it up in search results faster, but B, in like an email format, all of a sudden I'm drawn to Austin because if I'm, if I'm thinking these things and researching it, I'm going to know these buzzwords or the inside jargon. And when you speak it, all of a sudden now we have the beginning of rapport because we're speaking the same language. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Wow. This so is, so yeah. looking for these opportunities, right? Just really studying all of this. But I think these three components all build on each other. I'll help you, but they will all transform your messaging uh, to where you should get fewer questions about what it is you're offering because people will understand faster. And I think all three of these are going to help you down the road of being able to describe the movement in two sentences or less, which is probably difficult right now. And it is for most entrepreneurs when we have these ideas, we know it so clearly, but until we really take the time to study it and refine it, it's hard to make it concise and be in two sentences or less. Yeah, it got rather frustrating when I'm telling these people close around me, my family, my wife, my f- best friends, and and they don't get it. And now this makes sense because that messaging component was was not necessarily accurate and where it needed to be uh, specifically. Yeah, I, I think you're on, of course, I mean, you have this idea. So, of course, your messaging is on the right track. I think it just needs to go one level deeper. I okay. think you have the opportunity to take it that next level and all of a sudden now, it, through that process of, of your forced clarity and, and all of this, not only does your messaging become more purposeful, but your content will resonate more because you're going to be looking through this, this lens of this two-sentence or less mission statement, if you will, or purpose statement. You're going to be looking through that lens to decide what content we put out to decide what headlines we use, what jargon we want to use. Like It all intertwines. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it makes sense. And I, I like how you mentioned going deeper. I was always thinking in my mind going bigger going bigger, bigger, more, more, more. But at the, the end of the day, you need to think about that deeper level, the next level, it'll grow on its own. By Absolutely. When you really are serving the need of a specific group of people um, at, a, at a deep level, and you're really providing value, that's where movements start. That's where stuff takes off. They tell everyone else they know that's going through this process. And, and I'm not an expert in this at all. I don't have anything to back this up. But you tell me if I'm completely off base. But I would guess 
that overseas, when students are looking to come to the U.S. for school, they probably know multiple other students in their country that are thinking of the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Usually they're kind of in pods or groups of friends or they kind of meet each other from different agencies or some form. Yes, they are together already. When you over deliver for one, they will tell everyone else. It's a good point. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good. It makes it my job easier as well. Now, I got one more before we wrap. I got one more uh, thing I, I want to kind of throw out there and, and talk through a little bit. And, and it's not going to be something you'll be able to you know, finish, obviously, today. But it's something that I would think of. Now, uh, let me ask you it this way. Who organizationally in the U.S. benefits from your succeeding in this program, from making this movement big and robust and full of lots of people? Who benefits? Other than um, the people probably, in the movement. Yeah, the main benefit would be those universities, the community colleges, high schools, anyone who is trying to bring them, uh, these students that are interested to come abroad to their uh, establishment, to their organization. I think that's the, the biggest gain. So if I were you and I'm taking the time to do my planning for 22, I'm going to take December to figure out my content, my messaging, my headlines, all of that. The other thing I would definitely suggest you walk through is who should be my strategic partners. Oh, that's your point. Okay. And the first place I always go, and the reason I ask you the question of who benefits is they're one and the same or should be. If I'm doing it correctly, if I'm Austin, the people who had the biggest uh, benefit, potentially the people who have the most to gain should also be my biggest strategic partners and advocates. And to start, maybe that doesn't mean money necessarily, Okay. but they also have a big reach. They have other resources other than money that they could lend to this effort as a, as a beta, if you will, to, to help right. you get it off the ground. Uh, and that could get you further faster than you could on your own necessarily. So if I'm you, I'd also put together my plan of who could benefit the most from this. Universities were what came to my mind. I'm sure you'll think of others as well. Okay. Uh, but, but who could benefit the most from these partnerships? You know, uh, again... Uh, like a Rosetta Stone, I don't get anything from them either. But these these softwares that are going to help um, students learn different languages at, at a faster clip, mm -hmm. or maybe at a better level than they already do. Now, some of them I know are, are absolutely eloquent as it is. Uh, but if they're not, uh, maybe that's a strategic partner channel to go down. But I would just not put any any ceilings or constraints on what that strategic partner program could look like, but really think through who could I reach out to as strategic partners once I have my messaging down. And I put this in front of them and explain to them the concept. I don't think you have any problem getting some of these people to jump on board and saying, we want to be a part of this because they very clearly will be able to see the back end benefit to themselves. Yeah, I agree. And with, and with the pandemic, it kind of caused everything to kind of halt. And now we're getting back on track. So I think my, the timing is perfect as well for me to take this approach. Absolutely. So, so, so Austin, was this helpful? Oh, extremely helpful. Yes, I get, put me in the right direction and kind of gave me a lot of guidance on kind of areas that I can improve and see instant uh, kind of success. Okay, I love it. Well, one thing I ask most people that are on then is, because uh, knowledge for knowledge sake is one thing, knowledge for doing sake is, is what our intention is. So what are you going to take away and commit to doing as a result of our conversation? Well, as of right now, I'm going to, after we finish this talk, I'm going to go get the ultimate sales letter and read that and really make notes and kind of highlight using that piece of that. Then I'm going to start figuring out what I did before and then also kind of content for the quarterly content for next year and also figuring out the partner, just trying to get more organized as I'm trying to kind of promote this um, movement. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, Austin, thank you so much for spending your time on the success line. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I know for the rest of us, I'm speaking for all the audience. We're going to be excited to see where you take this movement of yours, because I'm sure it's going to be big. Thank you very much. Hopefully it's, uh, I'll be sure to connect with you in the future and give you an update. Sounds good. Okay. Right, bye-bye. Man, that was a great conversation with Austin. And what I've seen so many times is the failure to go to the level needed to be able to succinctly share with others the purpose and vision behind what it is we're wanting to accomplish. If you're like most entrepreneurs, you can see it clearly because this idea has been living in your head for some time. And yet, like Austin, when we share it with those around us, we're going to find that a lot of times they may not quite get it. And that can cause some frustration inside of us, right? Because they're not picking up on it or getting as excited about it as we are. And that doesn't necessarily mean that your idea is bad. What it could mean, like Austin, is you just need to take a little bit of extra time to go one level deeper to get more clarity, not only around what it is you're doing, who you're doing it for, and what they're looking for. How do we serve them at the deepest level? It's by answering these 10 questions that I gave Austin. And those 10 questions, just to review, they come from the Ultimate Sales Letter book by Dan Kennedy. Here they are. Number one, what keeps your prospect awake at night? Number two, what are they afraid of? Number three, what are they angry about or angry at? Number four, what are their top three daily frustrations? Number five, what trends are occurring and will occur in their businesses or lives? Number six, what do they secretly ardently desire the most? Number seven, is there a built-in bias to the way they make decisions? Number eight, do they have their own language? Number nine, who is their, excuse me, who is selling something similar to their product and how? Number 10, who else has tried selling them something similar and how has that effort failed? Bottom line, we've got to ask ourselves powerful questions to get to the bottom of what's going to help the people I'm reaching the most? What's going to move them? What are they searching for? What are they looking for? And how can I be the one to provide that? The beautiful part is walking through these questions. It's going to bring you clarity. It's going to help you know what content to create, how to craft your message, delivering the content so that you land with the right prospects. That's all we have for time on the success line today. Thank you so much for being here as always. Connect with me on social media. Instagram is my preferred, at Ben Fairfield. Send me a private message. Would love to be talking to you there as well as on future episodes of The Success Line. If you're interested in receiving free coaching on a future episode, go to success.com slash success line guest. This has been a success podcast. Head over to success.com slash podcasts to hear more just like it.